Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to E-Ticket to Broadway, where Broadway meets Main Street. <laughs> Here's your host, my pal, David Alpert. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to a special E-Ticket episode swap, where you'll soon be treated to an episode of the Disney Coast to Coast podcast. Jeff Tapali, the host of Disney Coast to Coast, joined me on an episode of E-Ticket to Broadway a while back. Check out episode 25. And he was kind enough to bring me onto his podcast to discuss what else? Dopey, and the Snow White attraction at the Disney parks. I hope you enjoy the episode and be sure to learn more about Jeff's podcast at DisneyCoastToCoast.com. Remember, that's Disney with a Z. Enjoy! Do you dream of fairies and princesses? Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Disney Coast to Coast. Hey folks, and welcome to Disney Coast to Coast, the ultimate unofficial Disney fan podcast. I'm Jeff DePauly, and today on the show, I have David Alpert joining me from the E-Ticket to Broadway podcast. David is a huge fan of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, particularly Dopey, which is why I've waited until he had a chance to ride Snow White's Enchanted Wish to record this episode. When Disneyland Park reopened earlier this year, we were treated with a reimagining of the classic Snow White ride, which has been in Disneyland in some form since opening day. Listen as we discuss this dark ride's history, as well as what we think about the latest updates. It's time to dive into today's Disney Dialogue. Hello, David Alpert, and welcome to Disney Coast to Coast, your first time here from the E-Ticket to Broadway podcast. Hello and welcome. Hello, Jeff. This is very exciting. I love this podcast. I cannot wait to talk to you about the subject in which we are discussing. First, thank you for the compliment. Second, I have been holding this episode for you because you are based in New York City as a theater director. And you, I was on your show a while back and you're like, I want to talk about Snow White's Enchanted Wish. And I was like, okay, when are you going to the parks? And of course, being in New York, you weren't exactly welcome in the parks for quite some time. And you finally got there. I know, you know, Mickey had texted me and he said, David, I really want you to be there. But (laughs) just to be safe, you need to wait a little bit. And I wasn't sure... When I was going in, I did a really great job of not watching any videos, reading any articles. You know, a lot of people were sending me photos, especially of Dopey. This is going to come up many times, but Dopey is my favorite. And I did it and I made it there recently. And 
went on it and it was an emotional experience. It was so exciting. Awesome. So I can't wait to talk to you about that. But I, first of all, I got to just say, I saw that you got a picture with Dopey in Disney California Adventure. And I just got to say, like, you have no idea how lucky you are. That is not a normal thing to have Dopey hanging around Disney California Adventure. And I know that he's like your absolute favorite. So you lucked yeah. out. Again, it was really nice that morning. Mickey texted me. He's like, David, I need you <laughs> on Buena Vista Street. And there was a very kind cast member, Janae, who also kind of kept me informed. And then, you know, Dopey showed up. I pulled myself together and uh, it was great. I got to chat with Dopey for a bit, the first time in a long time, but it was really cool, you know, especially the anticipation of getting back to the parks and Dopey was kind enough to take a few photos with me. And I did ask him if he'd heard of my podcast and he shook his head no, which is fine. You know, I don't think they have internet in the mines. (laughs) So it's fine. Soon, soon they will. But uh, let's start there at the beginning of your, I mean, your absolute love of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Dopey in particular. Where does this come from? It's a great question. You know, I think as a kid, my parents both loved Disney so much and you have to always start at the beginning, right? It's a very Julie Andrews thing in our family. You start at the very beginning. And I think there was something about Snow White that really hooked me. I think it was the color scheme. I think when, you know, when it comes to Pinocchio or Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty, where the color schemes became almost more sophisticated, there's something about Snow White that just all the colors are there. It's sweet. It's short. I think I really responded to it. Also, my older sisters had already claimed Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty as their favorites. (laughs) And there was something about Dopey. And you go back to my childhood bedroom and there's like some Dopey paintings and you read like little books I wrote in elementary school and it was about Dopey. I don't know when I made that decision, but here I am, you know, approaching 40 and I still really love Dopey. And so as I watched the movie and introducing the movie to my nephews, there's just something really charming about it being the first animated feature film. And there's something really charming about Dopey's love of life and love of his surroundings. I think we'll talk about it, but when they were talking about the new ride and Imagineer said that, you know, Dopey, he's the rascal of the group. And I said, well, he's not the rascal of the group. He actually follows instructions without thinking, you know, I don't think he's the rascal. I think he's just kind of like Mickey, just unconditional love. And that was very special. I could talk about Dopey for a long time, so I'm going to let you I, I think we should move into more about the attraction, but I, I do love me some Dopey. No, it's fine. I will say my niece was recently watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs on Disney Plus, and I was catching parts of it in the background. And it's one of those films. Of course, it came out February 4th, 1938. It's the original feature-length animated film. And it's so damn good. Like, I don't know the last time you actually sat and watched it. I did... Uh, a while ago for like a princess pondering about Snow White. But I just remember sitting and watching it and being like, this movie is good. Like way more than people realize, I think. We just kind of take it for granted. We do. And, and you know, I, I actually watched it like I think two weeks ago when I was back home with my family because my nephews and and thank God they I taught them when I was uh, spending time with them last year a lot about a hi-ho dance and pointing to Dopey on the ceiling. And, and so my education with them is is very successful and they're aware of it. I will say the movie, you know, in the lens of today has some problematic elements. I wish that, you know, Snow White didn't say, don't they have a mother when the house is untidy? But what's so great about Snow White is the laser focus of the plot. It's a, It's just immediately, you know, what's going on and it just stays on that plot. And I think that's successful storytelling. I love how it never takes the easy way out. When I look at all of the water sequences, whether it's rain or washing their faces or whatever, I'm like, this is literally the most difficult thing to animate with a pencil. And Walt is like, I'm going to fill it with it. Not only is it going to be the first feature-length animated film, but it's also going to have some of the most uh, difficult things to animate on Earth. And it's kind of mind-blowing. It's it's insane. And it took, like, what, four years to make or something? A long time. An insane amount of time. So, of course, we're going to be talking about the latest update to the dark ride today, but let's start uh, a ways back with how it all started. Of course, 
first of all, let's start with the history of the dark ride real quickly. Just to, I want to mention, dark rides go back to the late 1800s. This is not something that was invented by Walt Disney or Disneyland. And I feel like sometimes people think that, and it's not the case. Like many things, he kind of took it and plussed it and made it something incredible. But the first version of this ride was called Snow White and Her Adventures, which opened on opening day of Disneyland in 1955. And in this version of the ride, and all of the dark rides in Fantasyland, the concept was that you, as the rider, were the character. So you're looking at the attraction through their point of view, and because of that you don't see the figure, which is like a great concept, but understandably confusing for the guest. Yes. And also Snow White specifically does not drive her movie forward. This Snow Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is about a woman who is an evil queen wanting to be the fairest in the land. That's the movie. Snow White's reactionary. So to be viewing this through the eyes of Snow White, which you're exactly right, it doesn't quite have the same hit because Snow White has no objective in the movie, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I love the concept. I get why it's confusing. The, the reason I like it is because it makes it less of a book report ride, right? It's not the just retelling the story. My favorite attractions are the ones that are kind of like sequels and continue the story. These older dark rides didn't do that, but they did try to do something creative. It didn't work out. So it definitely changed in the future and no music oh that's so bizarre yeah the no considering how big the music of snow white is it is weird these earlier versions especially at magic kingdom they're you know the one that opened there in 1971 was snow white's adventures and this one in particular not only had no music but was terrifyingly scary with yes. witch cackles from top to bottom uh, this, I mean, it was high speed. You can find videos of these, uh, you know, kind of not the greatest quality, but you can still find them online and I'll include them in the show notes. But yeah, this was high speed. There was no music. The witch was popping out everywhere. And by the end of it, I think you're killed. Yes. And also the amount of skeletons rival the amount of skeletons in Indiana Jones. Like every turn <laughs> you're like, oh, let's just put another skeleton. It's like, isn't this in Fantasyland for children? It's like, yeah, yeah. And let's also have them like, looking at the ride vehicles and maybe their jaws move and maybe their eyes are glowing. Like that was a meeting at some point, I think. Yeah. You know, I listen, I'm always for the scary and I, I actually think it's really good to scare children at a young age uh, to kind of get them ready for the scariness of real life. I actually think it's healthy, but I mean, this was this, this, you know what I love about this version is that not only is it scary, it's like traditional dark ride scary. I think when you think of the word, dark ride or the term dark ride i think you think of like those carny funhouse haunt house yeah. sort of things and that's what this magic kingdom version in 1971 was and by the way just to go off topic for a second since we're heading into the halloween season i want to mention uh are you a haunted house kind of guy are you into that sort of thing I'm into the Haunted Mansion, but actual haunted houses, when they break the fourth wall, I have to leave. It's like, please don't come near me. Okay. I, need to, I need to know I'm never... So so I will support your adventure and I'll hold your <laughs> gift bag on the, you know, in the rest of the carnival. Well, I am obsessed with them. And I just want to mention Not Scary Farm, which is one of my favorite theme park haunts around. They have... Uh, one of their haunted mazes is called Dark Ride. And I think this is the third year, this upcoming Halloween, that they'll have it. And it's basically like you're walking through an old broken down dark ride where, you know, you've got, not only are you walking through the ride portion, but you're like walking through the backstage portion as well. And you can tell when you're backstage because there's no track on the ground. It is one of the most brilliant haunted mazes I've ever walked through. So if you're in Southern California and like dark rides, go check out the maze dark ride at Not Scary Farm. I'm plugging them for no apparent reason other than I love it so much. No, it's good. And if you can't make it, go on YouTube and watch the Snow White Rides from the parks in the past, and that will be equally terrifying, I think. It's true. I mean, that, like I said, that Magic Kingdom version is very reminiscent of yeah. old school carny dark rides. And as awesome as that is, it also didn't really make a ton of sense. Although Magic Kingdom was the scariest, the one in Disneyland was also scary. So in 1983, with the big redo of Fantasyland, which was totally necessary because it is funny to watch 
old videos of Fantasyland where it just looked like kind of circus tents. Yeah. Our Fantasyland is so beautiful now here at Disneyland. And, you know, it's held up since 1983. It still looks great, in my opinion. And it's crazy to think that it wasn't always like that. But in any case, to kind of warn the guests, they renamed the attraction Snow White's Scary Adventures. And at this point, they also brought a figure of Snow White into the attraction uh, to fix the problem of, where's Snow White? And, you know... um, Snow White's scary adventures. Did it really make a difference? I don't know. I don't know if no, people it was saw that and walked still away. Terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. I would also say, speaking of the original, I love seeing that, you know, as as, as it's dopey, there would be like, it's a scary entrance. And then Dopey's like there. He appeared. And also in the Walt Disney World version, Dopey's kind of been there when they kind of needed to be like, this might be too scary. Just put Dopey there. And like it probably worked on kids like me, you know, but I just <laughs> love that he was kind of a presence on both coasts. Maybe that's why you love him so much. Maybe like unbeknownst to you, you have this memory. You were terrified and then Dopey was there to save things for you. That's probably true. It's probably true. Now, also in 1983, Tokyo Disneyland got a version of the attraction. And in Paris in 1992, these were very similar to the Disneyland versions, closer to Disneyland than Magic Kingdom, for sure. They weren't terrifying. And then in 1994, Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World finally made an update with Snow White's Scary Adventures, and they toned it down quite a bit. They added in the music. And this is, I mean, this is certainly what I grew up knowing is Snow White's Scary Adventures at Magic Kingdom. Yeah. And I knew Snow White's Scary Adventures at Disneyland. And still terrifying. On my podcast, oftentimes we talk about how scary it truly is. And I noticed it on going on the revamp recently that when you would be in the queue, what you would hear would be the final scream. And that was as you waited. It was like, as you got one step closer to riding that board vehicle, you're like, I hear screams. Like, should I turn back? (laughs) It was was really terrifying. They did. In addition to adding the word scary into the title of the attraction, they also added things in the queue. You know, that's when you would start to see the skulls and kind of the witch's little dungeon and stuff. And they did, I mean, they did try to warn people. They added, you know, the evil queen looking out that window, opening that curtain every once in a while to kind of warn people like, listen, if you got really little kids, this may not be the thing for them. But this was like Disney back when they did villains properly, in my opinion. We don't get good villains anymore from Disney. And this is when we did. And I find it very strange because let's face it, Disney villains are a huge franchise. I mean, they have Fantasmic, which is one of their biggest shows ever, themed around the villains. The Halloween events are themed around the villains. But it's like, well, we keep going back to the classics, it seems like. Like, this year, the new one is Agatha from WandaVision. But I'm like, is she really a Disney villain? Like, she's not Maleficent, let's face it. As much as I love her, she ain't Maleficent. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, the evil queen, Maleficent, for me, it's Chernabog from Fantasia. Mm -hmm. The scariest looking villain, I think. And again, they just were evil to its core. Nothing happened to them. I don't think they were just like, you meet them and they're evil. I I think as we evolve as humans, we want to justify it or see their backstory, but I'm with you. They were just bad to the bone. And that, I mean, like watching the queen overlooking fantasy land was always a moment where as a kid, I was like, I know she's not real, but if I admit that she's not real, she's going to get me. (laughs) I do love seeing people like realize that she's up there. I think that that's always so much fun because it's, you know, she's not always there. Like I said, that curtain opens and closes continuously, but still there's moments where if you look up, there's nothing there. And then every once in a while, you'll see somebody actually see the curtain open and be like, oh my God, is it someone? And okay, no, it's not. But uh, But she's always watching you. I hope she continues to do that like all night long. I hope there's like no off switch. (laughs) And if you were just walking through Fantasyland at Two in the morning, it should still be doing it. When I worked at Disneyland in the, for the 50th, I got to walk through Tomorrowland, primarily empty, and it is so creepy and beautiful. But I can't imagine if you're if you're closing Fantasyland, you know she <laughs> opens it and it just stays open just a second longer to that cast member. Yeah. 
Now, this Magic Kingdom version stayed around until May 31st of 2012. This, of course, is when they were getting ready for New Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom, and this area became Princess Fairytale Hall. So Snow White, the character, still makes appearances there, but we did lose the dark ride, and that's because they needed the space for the expansion, and they also added Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which opened on May 28th, 2014. And it would have been a bit redundant to have two Snow White rides, which I get, but it's still a shame to lose a classic, yeah. you know, Walt's original film and opening day Magic Kingdom attraction. Eh, you know. I do appreciate that at the end of the mine train, you do see remnants of the original Dark Ride. Mm-hmm. Truly, I feel like when it becomes such nostalgic things to remove it from Walt Disney World, maybe more acceptable, but to lose something from Disneyland, it would be utter chaos. You cannot do that. Yeah, I mean they can, but but yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. If if Walt touched it at Disneyland, it's it's a much harder blow. I would say uh, the yeah. the other thing. Not only do they have that finale with some throwbacks, but there is a dark ride portion of Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which I I mean, in my opinion, the best part of the ride. We get some yeah. really cool updated animatronic figures of the dwarfs with the projected faces, and uh, this ride was also included with the opening of Shanghai Disneyland in June of 2016. So, you know, Snow White has had uh, some dark ride history when it comes to the parks, for sure. And that brings us to today, which is Snow White's Enchanted Wish, which opened in Disneyland Park on April 30th, 2021, when the park reopened after being closed for over a year due to the pandemic. So is it fair to say that a large part of your trip planning, or the reason you came, was based on Snow White's Enchanted Wish? I mean, listen, anytime I can make it to Southern California to go to Disneyland, I'm going to take it. But I will say there was a lot of anticipation and a very emotional moment of walking through. And when was the last time you went to Disneyland to go on a new ride? It's so few and far between. And this wasn't new. This felt like something that was so part of my childhood that was enhanced. And everyone was telling me, you know, it's much better. And I saw what they did with Alice in Wonderland. I saw what they did with Peter Pan. I loved it. But what I was seeing was like, this looks much different. I'm seeing new characters, new scenes. So I was really curious. There was one time a few years ago where I got stuck on the ride in the, you know, the forest, now rest in peace, that I had to walk out. And I was like, even with the lights on, this is terrifying, but what's happening? So I will say getting to go back, it was pretty emotional. The first thing I noticed was just hearing this musical button to end the ride. And I was like, that's nice. And just the color scheme, kind of going back to what you asked me originally, there's something about the color scheme of Snow White that is pure and magical. And I think they brought that through in the characters, in the cottage, more plants, more flowers, more butterflies that I think already they're letting the audience know, you know what? We got you. We, we hear you. I don't know, Jeff, do you remember like as recently as two years ago, walking through Fantasyland, an hour wait for Peter Pan and Snow White's a walk on. Yeah, I will say I was there the other day. To be fair, most of the park was pretty light and I walked uh, 10 minutes or less onto Snow White. And so the good thing about those traditional dark rides is they pump people through, you know, and Peter Pan, you know, very low capacity and people just love flying. So that thing's always going to have a line, it (laughs) seems like. But they will. You know, you're talking about the colors and stuff, and before we even get into the ride, there's a huge difference in the exterior of the building, and it's nothing to do with the construction of it. It's still that same castle look, but it's much brighter colors than we're used to seeing. I believe they had SWs, kind of like emblems, on the building, which confused me a little because – it was it was a little strange to me because we still had the evil queen up there in the window. So I'm like, you're kind of painting it as if it's like this happy castle like that the prince and Snow White live in, yet that evil queen's still up in that window. So I was a little confused by that. I don't know. Did you even think about that? I didn't. I, it's always the question when you go to the parks and when you meet the characters, you're always going to meet, you know, Ariel as a mermaid, mm-hmm. uh, with exception. Or you're always going to meet the beast as a beast. And you want to say like, you know, I watched your movie. <laughs> so so when you go to a Disney park, you're kind of intersecting at perhaps the halfway point. But I, I do want to talk about like the plot of the ride, which is kind of with this, where the plot of the ride is out of order. So as you're seeing the castle, you're like, is this like, did Snow White sign off on the rights to her story? 
and say like, yeah, you could put the queen up there, but I want it to be known like this is my castle. Like what is like, <laughs> what's the point of view, right? Which I always think is very interesting on these rides, like the Indiana Jones ride, which is, you know, I think such an incredible dark ride. It's very clear who you are and who Indiana Jones is. It's clear that you're a tourist, you're on this vehicle, you go the wrong way. Indiana Jones is trying to help you out. On the Snow White ride, it's totally your point. It's like, I okay, I see Snow White, so I'm no longer Snow White, but I'm going through this. But then I swear to God, the queen is chasing me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So who are we? And I think that's to your point. I think the queen just, she's got a rent control department up there. She's not going. I figured out who we are and you'll appreciate this. We are like the narrator in Into the Woods, where the, where they're oh. kind of well, he tells the story, but he also observes. So we're kind of observing, but at some point he gets pulled into the story. So when the witch is kind of after us, that's the point of Into the Woods where we get pulled into the story. How do you like that, David? That's very good. That's very mysterious of you. I'm very <laughs> into it. I think that's a really smart way to think about it. You know what I noticed and this I could be crazy. Before the renovation, the owl that was there right when you were boarding is the owl from Sleeping Beauty. I feel like they adjusted it. I really think the owl now and and anyone listening that can go there let us know. But I think that the you know it's 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 not an audio animatronic. It's painted on the wall right when you're in there and the cast members making sure that you can't escape. You know, that owl was the one from Sleeping Beauty, but I feel like they updated it. Interesting. I didn't notice that. I'll have to take a look at that the next time I go. Yeah. What's always interesting to me in the ride, and they they fixed it a little bit, is just how out of order it is. I always argued Snow White has to be a scary dark ride because it's the queen's story. You know, Snow White, literally, we meet her and she's like, I'm really happy just cleaning the well. I'm good. And the huntsman's like, hey, come with me. She's like, okay, I'm really happy picking these flowers. And the huntsman's like, you got to run. She's like, okay. And then she just goes, she's like, I guess I'll clean some more. And then she's like, can I stay here forever? Like, that's kind of her. And then she's like, sure, I'll eat this apple. Everything (laughs) happens to Snow White. Unlike Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, you know, Pinocchio, where they make decisions that further their story, she's reactionary. So every time someone was like, it's so scary. And I was like, well, because it's really the queen's ride, it's her movie, right? Yeah, it really is. And let's face it, she's the more interesting character. I mean, she is. She's the one I want to follow. Uh, I mean, but I have a dark side. So <laughs> I mean, it's just. I know, I know. She's also beautiful. I, I know it's kind of the plot, but like Snow White doesn't have cheekbones, I don't think, in the movie. But the <laughs> queen is giving you like, sen- like a sensible lip and like her dress. I mean, come on, she is fashion forward. She got some drag queen vibes going on there. <laughs> she totally does. You know, and what's funny, so like in the movie, they're getting ready for dinner and then the queen transforms and then the silly song and then someday my prince will come and then the apple gets treated. And then I think one of the scariest passages from a Disney movie is the sequence in Snow White when the witch gets on the like little canoe Mm -hmm. and like goes through and it's like moonlight. That is some creepy storytelling. Yeah, it's and it's creepy and beautiful, at least beautiful in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was <laughs> but, gonna say, okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know, and then and then there's like a little high ho action as the dwarfs go back to the mines and the witch appears. But on the ride, we start with Silly Song, and then the queen's outside the cottage, which never happens, and then the mines, and then the transformation, which happens at the mirror, not the dungeon. And then that forest, which is gone, always to me felt like, well, this forest happens before the dwarf's cottage. So what's it doing here? It always struck me as this is out of order. You know, it's so interesting. You, you mentioned the forest. And I got to be honest, I think, that, first of all, I don't even know if we've mentioned this yet. I think the updates are great. How do you feel about them overall? I do too. Okay. Overall, I do have some feedback. But overall, I was mesmerized. It was just the effects using animation from the film, mm. as specifically in like the potions in the dungeon. Mm-hmm. The lighting, the sound, the trees that light up, I was just mesmerized. The thing that impressed me more than anything was, of course, I'd ridden the, you know, the ride I, I knew many, many times, but I didn't like know it like the back of my hand per se. And as I was riding it, we get this new finale. I was like, this is beautiful. 
where on earth did this space come from? Like, I had to sit and think a minute and be like, what is missing? Because it's not like just a little blip. There is a new finale that is stunningly beautiful. And I was just like, okay, some big chunk of real estate was removed. And I can't figure out what it is. And and then I realized, oh, it was the wood sequence was really, it's just gone, which I'm okay with. But it was kind of... It was. I, it's impressive that they did such a good job that I couldn't even think about what was missing. Even the mine, by adding, again, this is my argument with some of the newer lands brought to Disney parks. We love Disney because of the characters. I feel like there's a very recent land that's been added that's maybe from a galaxy far, far away that is all architecture. The Snow White ride with the mine was all architecture. By bringing the characters in, it came to life that usually you'd just be like, oh, no, I'm in the mine. And you kind of clocked out for a second. But now you see Dopey, you see Doc, you see you know other dwarfs, and you're more engaged. And it feels new, but it's not. Yeah. Let's let's go back a little bit. Let's just go through these scenes real quickly in order. Yeah, sure. Um, I know we're hopping around a little bit, but as you said, we start in the cottage with a great little fun musical number. We get Snow White dancing now instead of just standing on the staircase. <laughs> yeah. We get a little She's been replaced by a barrel. You know, like on the stairs. I think it's <laughs> yes. a barrel or two. Uh, I think there are a couple of animals there, but yeah, definitely yeah. it's like, oh, okay. And we do get a smell. We get a scent pumped into the room. Uh, you may not always catch this because everybody's wearing masks these days. I did not catch it. I think, you know, in these current times, I'm not eagerly sniffing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm being very cautious with my intake of air. But I also love in that scene that the Snow White they've added is in the style. Mm. of the original. I was so shocked looking at the research too that this that when they redid the ride and I believe for the 1983 they they completely started from scratch. Yeah. But to your point that first scene just feels so lovely and sweet by including Snow White and I loved it. And the apple pie scent, the apple pie oh, pumping goodness. through the air that people will smell yeah. someday. Actually what will happen is People will get to a point where we can take off the masks and then like the scent pump will stop working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. It was just never meant to be. Very interesting because Snow White actually makes not an apple pie, but a gooseberry pie. Oh, but I couldn't tell you. I could not tell yeah. you what gooseberry pie smells like. Yeah, I think they just went for baking scent, and they're like, eh, "That's good <laughs> enough." But then That's we right. head outside, and we get the witch outside the window, as you mentioned. This is where we start to see some projection work being done, and you know, say what you will about projection mapping. Yes, it's overdone. I think the best use of projection mapping is actually dark rides. Like, don't get yes. me wrong, I love the nighttime spectaculars, but for those, it's such like the focus of the spectacular. For these, it's always just plussing the attraction. And yes. we get, you know, some projection of the dwarf silhouettes singing hi-ho and then actual animation of the dwarfs. And it's really great. Like like you said, it brings the characters in. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, the fact that it's the queen outside the cottage at first, you're like, eh, the queen never made it here, but that's okay. I think what it allows you to do, and as a theater director, it's about focus, that you have to make an effort to turn to your left to see the queen. But for kids, they're going to be immediately, they can just look directly forward and see the dwarfs. So let's, which was so perfectly mastered in the mine train in Florida. It's yeah. so cool. I was definitely clapping at this moment because it was just such a wonderful very reminiscent of what they did with Alice in Wonderland. Just mm-hmm. so successful. Loved it. How many times did you ride it? Well, here's the funny thing. I went on it three times. Okay, good. <laughs> That's great. Like twice was back to back because a cast member, I think, was very taken. Shout out to Milo. Because as we were going and the dopey car appeared, I got so excited. And they said, "Are you? were you hoping for the dopey vehicle? And I said, I was. <laughs> and so we had a nice conversation and, and we got to go on it back to back. That's awesome. Excellent. Speaking of dopey, we do head into the mine where we see a dopey figure with the jewel eyes animation like we have in Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. I will say one of the things I was expecting 
in this update was the projected face dwarfs like we get in Seven Dwarfs Mind Train, which we did not get in this. And I was a little bit surprised by that. But we do get the kind of jewel eye, which I think is somewhat projected. It's a really cool figure. It is really funny to think back on, you know, the previous version of the ride where there are no figures in the mind. It's just a mind. And why I appreciate the lack of projection mapping on the faces is because the vocabulary of the characters that we're introduced to are the dwarfs in the silly song. The ones in the mine are slightly different in style. And I wish they didn't have it. I'm glad they didn't go too far out of the style, Mm -hmm. but the fact that the dwarfs we see throughout the ride are, um, I don't know what the proper term is, but not projected, I think is the right call to keep it all in the same vocabulary. It would be a little shocking. I think otherwise. Yeah, it would definitely bother me if in some cases they were projected, in other cases not. I think the weird thing, and I think you're right, actually, because if the dwarfs were going to be projected, they would have to be in that first scene, which means Snow White would probably have to be, and I don't really want her... uh, Human faces are always a little weird to me, um, if you think of Anna and Elsa on Frozen Ever After. They weird me out a little bit because like, they have five o'clock shadow, the way that the (laughs) projection faces work. And so it just doesn't work as well on like real, you know, more human, less animated figures. And the dwarfs right. are certainly animated, so it works in Seven Dwarfs Mind Train better mm-hmm. than Frozen Ever After. And therefore, I think you're right. Snow White would have been problematic. So I agree with you. Yeah. But I was a bit surprised that sure. they weren't like, let's run with this new technology and plus it and do all that stuff. So somebody made the right decision, uh, at least in our opinions. So we're in that mine. <laughs> then we see the vultures into the castle. This is from the original attraction. And, you know, this next sequence, we get a very similar witch transformation. One thing I'll say is I love this witch transformation. Very simple spin, little trickery that they have going on with the figure. But I will say sometimes the way that the figures are facing, oh, it's it's like not looking directly at the ride vehicle. It always seems a bit off. Is this just me or have you noticed this? I haven't noticed that. I will say because this version of Snow White has been slowed down ever slightly, the angle at which you, you're viewing the transformation is different. Mm-hmm. I usually am turning away at that moment for fear of my soul being ripped out of my body. <laughs> so I don't actually know because as a kid, it really, you know, they per- it's like it, I equate it to the snake in Indiana Jones. It's the same way. It's like, oh gosh, if I'm sitting on the right side, I'm like, oh gosh, she's going to be right there. But from the left side, she's going to get me in the canoe. So I will say like that scene, I'm so thankful they didn't touch it. I love the color they brought in. There's like a side table that's lit up in new ways. Mm-hmm. There's more things for us to look at in case we need to look away. I think that is such a beautiful moment, even though that's not how it happens in the movie. It's like a huge climax of a movie, and that's not how it goes down. But we love it. We love it. I I do love it. I think it's super, you know, uh, it's iconic in Disney parks, I think. And I wouldn't – they did plus it a bit with some projection, atmosphere projection stuff, which was really cool. Uh, After the transformation, we go through, like, the laboratory, and all the skeletons have been replaced by (laughs) bubbling bottles and such and – you know, kind of like a laboratory books. feel. Books, yeah. Even like the books that help the narration to kind of connect us to the poison apple, I think is super smart. You know, that's great storytelling. As we're talking about this dungeon scene, the effect with the cauldron is yeah. just so cool. Yeah. Every time I went on it, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, so the poison apple scene where she's over the cauldron making the poison apple. Once again, some cool projection mapping where it just kind of sends like this wave of energy through uh, against the walls of the dungeon. And it is a very beautiful um, – subtle is the wrong word because it's very obvious, but it's it's not – it doesn't take all your attention. You're still looking at the characters just like, wow, there is added magic here. There's added energy. It's very, very, very cool. One thing I want to say, though, is, you know, they made the choice to call this attraction Snow White's Enchanted Wish, taking out the word scary. And to me, I expected the ride to really kind of not be scary because of that. And the reality is, it's still very witch-heavy. There's still a lot of scary. Sure, the skeletons have been replaced, but you're still getting a scary transformation. You're still getting a poison apple. I actually feel like if the goal is to protect children from being scared, 
they're kind of like doing the opposite by taking the word scary out of the title, if that actually, you know, dissuaded people in the first place. So I was surprised at how much scare was still in it. I'm happy for it. I love the scare. Yeah, yeah. But I was surprised. Yeah, I, I mean, like, they definitely downgraded the scary factor because of the other moments that we used to see the witch that aren't there. But I agree, for that chunk of time, as soon as you leave the mine, it's kind of back-to-back scary and 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 we'll get to it but now you actually have a queen sooner than it used to be or excuse me the witch sooner because the forest is gone and and i don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much but it's it's the center of the ride now is pretty terrifying <laughs> yeah now we head into this little scene as you said the witch normally pops out on the boat but now it's just a projection of snow white biting the apple but it's this cool like mirror shattering projection that kind of reminds me of like the twilight zone where you look down yeah. the end and you see the, the window shatter i love it it's a very simple thing but i'm like oh that's awesome because you know it's symbolic for she's dead right <laughs> it is it was an interesting it felt like the most artistic moment of the ride because it was such a departure from their typical way of storytelling. When they were projecting the dwarfs, you still had uh, physical trees. You had a set that you were projecting onto. Here, I was surprised that there was no physical set. It was purely projection and one that was created specifically for the ride. That's not, we don't see Snow White eating an apple in a mirror that shatters in the movie. So it just felt suddenly a very artistic moment. That did take me out of it. I loved it, but it was suddenly a very sophisticated moment. Yeah, I love it. Uh, It is interesting how much. I think of this all the time with like any nighttime spectacular or anything where you see animation that we quote unquote know from the movie. But I'm like, we don't know this from the movie. This doesn't exist. You know, there's a great sequence in World of Color where you see a conversation between uh, Buzz and Woody. And in the film, like it's cut from Buzz, cut back to Woody, back and forth. And in World of Color, it's just the two standing next to each other talking. I'm like, okay, that animation does not exist. It only exists for this purpose. So I always find that so fascinating. And I'm sure there's way more than we even realize. In fact, that could be an interesting episode to talk about all those little moments throughout yeah. the parks. But yeah, it, it is interesting to me. And now these days, I just picture Eric Goldberg sitting over an animation table drawing that stuff since he's like the only 2D guy still around. Um, but, yeah. don't, but you know what I'm talking about? It, it just in that moment, it's like, how do we connect... Because again, like that original ride, you're you're skipping so many plot points that it really was like, you know, there's the queen, you never saw Snow White eating it, and then the dwarfs are chasing it. So it's a really great moment of, we have this much real estate, how do we get the story across? And I think it's incredibly successful. We see it happen. Because the other version infamously had the most abrupt ending of any ride anywhere, where it was just like... Uh, which top of mountain crashes and they lived happily ever after. You're like, wait a second, what did we, did the DVD skip over some major plot points? So yeah, so they definitely fixed that. Uh, Now we would at this point be normally headed into the woods sequence, but this is where we see the dwarfs and the witch on the mountain, which used to be the finale, but now, you know, it's, it's toward the end still, but it's this new scene that looks beautiful and all the dwarfs going up the mountain, the witch up at the top, who I believe was projected, if I'm remembering correctly. It is projected now, yeah. which is helpful. Um, it's very high up there. So again, kids that just want to look and see their favorite dwarfs, it's great. But you really have to look high to see this, the queen. I love that, just like the beginnings, keeping intact, that we all were like, there's the characters that we've always loved. They're here. They're positioned differently. I believe it's the same characters, just condensed. Rather than in a straight line, they're just... Mm-hmm weaving up a mountain. I have a photo that I can share with you of when I did get to walk out and they said, no photos. There's definitely a photo of me in front of Dopey, you know, terrified, uh, which was a very special moment. That's so funny because I actually recently walked out of Snow White's Enchanted Wish. Uh, that first week that Disneyland reopened, we had to walk out. And they don't tell you no photos anymore. They're just like, oh, really? they gave I, up. It's, everybody's got a camera with them these days. There's like, I whatever. Know. And so I got yeah. some good shots of the figures up close in that first cottage scene. But uh, in any case, so after this, so this is where the ride would have, you know, story-wise ended previously. But now... We get Snow White being kissed by the prince, which I guess is PC problematic these days or something. What's going on? It is problematic. I mean, again, 
when Snow White came out, we were in a much different place. And yes, she does dream of meeting, you know, this is what Frozen really calls out. She does hope to meet a prince and he'll kiss me and away we go. I think there were so many other ways to tell this moment of the story. Again, the design of this moment was breathtaking. It really is like that. I'm not using that term lightly. I'm using your term, but I'm not. I'm not sharing it lightly. It is breathtaking. It's breathtaking because the trees light up, and then suddenly there's more trees around you. And you're like, hold up. I don't think like you're like. How did a tree just show up next to me? And where did this space come from? That's what where I kept saying. I was like, where was this space? And, it's crazy. And by using by using depth, but you know, I personally wish because kids are viewing it, I would have loved to have seen Snow White just waking up with the prince next to her. You know, I think there were just different ways. I think as Disney over the years, such as Pirates or Upcoming with Splash, we do, we can change the narrative. And I I, I do wish that they had just taken just a slightly different approach to not show something that's questionable or potentially damaging. But again, it's a breathtaking design. I cannot believe it. I was just stunned. And what's funny is there's the cottage that now has a storybook in front of it, which I believe was the cottage that the door would kind of open and the queen would show out. But suddenly I was like, it makes so much sense here. It just feels like it bookends the pre-show. The cottage has kind of been our home base throughout the ride. It's lit in a way that's not terrifying. (laughs) And it's this like, of course. And then the fact that the book has projections on it and Mm -hmm. comes alive, a great homage to the original film that starts with the book. I love it. I loved that moment. I do want to mention that the kiss is done with a scrim effect, which is always my favorite. You know, it's it's lit up. It's a very quick moment, to be completely honest. And when they light the front of it, we're kind of just like back in the wooded area. And there are so many twinkle lights. It's ridiculous. As you mentioned, you turn the corner, you see the cottage, you see the storybook with the projection on it. And then finally, we. what's funny is it's the same mountain that used to be there at the end with the dwarfs climbing it and the witch on same top. Mountain. But instead, it's Snow White and the prince. And it's just this beautiful, nice ending now that makes way more sense. It's beautiful. I, I love Snow White and her forest friends. However, the prince does look like a cake topper. It's the strangest thing. Yep. It's like, I don't know if that's recycled from a previous version. I don't know. But the Snow White that's there looks so beautiful and it's textured and painted beautifully. And then it looks like a cake topper to me. Yeah, it's some weird forced perspective stuff going on. So the figure is much smaller, but it's it's just so close that it just doesn't pay off. Yeah. But regardless, like it's this was a really well done plus. Listen, I've never been disappointed by any of these pluses with these Fantasyland dark rides. The first one I really remember getting like the projection mapping and stuff is Alice in Wonderland, which is fantastic. Yeah. Peter Pan more recently really great as well. Uh, Pinocchio needs this. I, first of all, if you go to Disneyland and don't ride Pinocchio, what are you thinking? It's like, I think it's the only park that has that ride, right? And I believe that's true. It was part of the 1983 expansion. It always seems to have a super short line. I, I don't know why the Pinocchio ride doesn't get more love, but it's great. And I would love to see enhancements come to that as well. I totally agree. And then Mr. Toad right behind it. But yeah, Pinocchio, I went on it this trip. And, and of course, exactly what you said, there's a lot of darkness to that ride as well. It's pretty dark. You know, I, I really think they could benefit from from the same kind of idea. Yeah, for sure. So overall, I say successful when it comes to Snow White's Enchanted Wish. I am yeah. all for the changes. I, I think it's beautiful. I, I honestly think it was quite creative what they did. And Me too. Yeah. I mean, this was it was interesting because it closed a bit before the park closed for the pandemic, but like it was kind of like this nice little gift when the park reopened. Of course, nobody wanted Disneyland closed for over a year, but to be like, and we got this new enhancement to this ride when it does reopen, it was kind of a nice little present. I really wish that for the reopening, they could have lowered the drawbridge for the third time in history, but I don't know why they didn't. I don't think it's possible anymore. I'm sure there's so much structural. Uh, things that have been added in recent history that it's probably impossible, but I think that would have been a nice touch. But what I love about it too, and I went on Rise of the Resistance for the first time. And oh, so nice. to go on an original attraction that's been, you know, upgraded and and developed further, and then going on Rise of the Resistance, 
what I noticed about both of them as a theater director, as a lover of, of theatrical productions, both rides now musically end on a button mm. that they're able to do that with Snow White and they do it with Rise. And it was just the coolest thing. And that it really completes the journey and you feel like you're ready to go on your way rather than the old, you know, the former versions, which is a blood curdling scream, a mural of happily ever after. And you're like, I don't, I don't know if I believe that. Like, did you guys just <laughs> Are see you what sure? I went through? Yeah, that was pretty terrifying. It's so true. I loved it. It was so exciting. The the joy that you now feel in this ride, I, I just love it. Yeah, it's great. I'm so glad that you got to go and do that and do, you know, as you said, Rise was new for you. Recently for me, I got to do the updated Jungle Cruise. I'm going to assume you did yeah, that as well. I did as well. Super fun. Yeah, I really like the updates to that. The added scenes are great. And once again, it, there were definitely moments, and it's so funny to even think this because I'm like, I've done these rides a billion times, but there was a moment of, wait a second, what used to be here? And, and yes, oh, exactly. what did this replace that? Like, and I feel like when you have that reaction, I'm like, oh, well, they did it right because that means it feels organic. Whatever, whatever they added feels right. And They're consistent with their storytelling. So it doesn't feel like it's been cut and paste or a puzzle piece. And I, it, it, it's the magic of Disney, right? At its core, it's taking a a theatrical story and making it three-dimensional. And it was beautiful. The one thing I'll say about Jungle Cruise that surprised me a little was they made such a big deal about like the added storyline and, and backstory during all of the press releases. There was like none of that on the attraction, which like I'm okay with because I don't really expect that from Jungle Cruise. But I was like, oh, they pushed this really heavily in the marketing yeah. of this. And it, it at least in my cruise, I did it twice, actually. And in my cruises, neither time did they push that narrative whatsoever. Agreed. I think the script for the skippers could be benefited from a little bit of expanding and, you know, of course, leave the jokes that we love. But there were just moments where I feel like maybe the skippers can can add a few more things about the story that they're developing. Yeah. But it, I think it was super fun to see all that. I also got to see for the first time the addition of Coco in Mickey's Philhar Magic. Yes. Which love I'm it. so happy about. I'm so happy that it was just added and nothing was taken away. We all know there's Great. not like huge crowds waiting to get into Mickey's Philhar Magic. So it's not like it really affected crowd control or anything. And it was just so great. I mean, I love Coco. It's one of my favorite Pixar films. Me too. I will admit the song that they chose is not my favorite from the film, but I get why it's in there. It's the most energetic. What's it called, that song? I, I believe it's, and forgive my Spanish, it's Un Poco Loco, which is right. such a fun celebratory song. I was loving it. I just think I saw Mickey's Philhar Magic for the first time in Japan. Oh, that wow. was the first place I saw it. And I was obsessed with it. The humor, the joy, the effects. And so when they announced Coco was going in, I was like, I'm so ready for this. And I, I had a great time seeing it as well. Is it done full scale in Japan like they do in Magic Kingdom or more like DDCA? More Magic Kingdom scale. Okay, cool. Really huge. Very cool. So I was happy to see that, you know, plussing happening all around. So that's always a good thing. But unless there's anything else you want to add about Snow White, I think it's time for trivia. What do you say? I mean, I can always talk more about Snow White and the ride in Disneyland, but let's move on. And, and first of all, Jeff, thank you so much for that opportunity to share how I feel. That just feels like a gift that you've given me. So listen, I love passion and passionate conversations, whether I even agree or disagree. In this case, I agree. Uh, but you know, I just love passionate conversations, so thank you for sharing your passion. But for now, it's time for some trivia. Do you know the answer? Get your brain gears churning and play along. It's trivia time. Alrighty, David, do you want to hit me with a trivia question first, or shall I hit you? I'm going to let you go first so we can end on a high note. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My question is, in what universal international picture can you see pieces of the original Snow White ride in Disneyland Park? That is an amazing question. I have no idea, but... It stars Tony Curtis. So we're talking like 70s, 80s? We're talking 1962. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea. I love that this is a trivia question. Please share. It's a film called 40 Pounds of Trouble, which I've never seen, but a huge chunk of it is shot in Disneyland Park. And, and the ironic slash crazy thing is it's a universal international picture. So I just love that. I think it's great. That is an 
awesome piece of trivia, Jeff. I'm so glad to learn that. That's cool. You know, so my trivia question also deals with other movies. It's my favorite. Adriana Casalotti, the voice of Snow White. But we can also hear her in another iconic film. What other film can we hear her voice? Is it a Disney animated film? It's not. It's not. I can give you more hints. Yeah, give me like a decade. It's the same era as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, wow. And is it a film I've heard of? Yes. Here's another crazy hint. This other movie was also (gasps) represented in a Disney theme park. It's the Wizard of Oz, and she is is. she is the I know exactly what she is. Uh, Romeo. What what for art thou, Romeo? Yes. Wherefore art thou Romeo? She is uncredited, but the voice of Juliet. So Wizard of Oz was 1939. So right right after Snow White came out, you know, people watching Wizard of Oz could have been like, that's Snow White. I love that piece of trivia. That's right. I remember hearing that, and we should clarify, it's during what song? It's during If I Only Had a Heart? That's right. Yeah. With Jack yeah. Haley as the Tin Man. That is that is a great piece of trivia. I love that. Can I give you one more, just because I think it's fun? Yes. What were the opening day dark rides in Disneyland's Fantasyland? Snow White. Mm-hmm. Snow White and Her Adventures. Her Adventure. Yeah. Peter Pan's Flight. Mm-hmm. Definitely not Pinocchio. Not Pinocchio. Definitely not Mr. Toad. Oh, no. Mr. Toad was an original opening day attraction. So yeah, just Mr. Toad's Wild them. Ride. Yep. It was those three. Alice was, yep. Alice was added later. Pinocchio was added in 83. Yeah. Yeah. So that's them. Small World came in the 60s, yeah. right? Again, I cheat slightly because when I worked for the 50th, any opening day attraction had a golden vehicle. That's right. So I could tell you the teacups, Dumbo, <laughs> the Autopia. Shout out to the Autopia where I worked. An opening day attraction. Yeah. I, I and I just I'm so excited to think like when I bring, you know, my my nephew's children one day and I can say, you know, when I was a kid, I remember when Mr. Toad was there. Or, you know, I remember going in Rise of the Resistance when it first opened. You know, it's it's always fun that Disneyland is not a museum. It keeps changing and you know, it's always really beautiful. Like we said, it's tough to see Disneyland change because we know Walt was there and Walt had his fingers tough. on things. So it's it's a very fine line. But it, listen, even the Snow White we knew before this latest version wasn't Walt's. As we said, in 1983, right. they bulldozed the original and made a brand yeah. new version of it. So, you know, I, I also feel like there's a lot of like Disney history that... People are like, ah, oh, you can't touch that because Walt touched it. I'm like, well, actually, he didn't touch this at all, right. really. But in any case, before I let you go, why don't you tell folks about E-Ticket to Broadway and the fun that you're having over there? Sure. E-Ticket to Broadway is where your favorite Broadway stars share their love of the Disney theme parks. We talk a lot about favorite movies growing up and first trips to the parks, as well as their favorite attractions, parades, shows, snacks. And it's really cool to hear these really wonderful Broadway stars, some of them that have appeared in Disney on Broadway productions, kind of just fangirl over Space Mountain. So I've been very fortunate to have some really wonderful names join. And it's been a real joy to kind of like this, Jeff, to hear passion from people. And, you know, having the pleasure to work in the Broadway industry, we don't often get to talk about that. We're talking a lot about the show we're working on or art with a capital A. And sometimes it's nice to just be like, yeah, I know you have a Tony Award, but what do you really think about Sleeping Beauty in blue versus Sleeping Beauty in pink? Like to (laughs) me, that can be really fun. So you can check us out online at www.eticketpodcast.com or on social media at eticket to Broadway. So it's been super fun. You know, I've been doing it for about a year and I'm not sure what the future is, but it's been really wonderful to connect the Broadway fan base with the Disney theme park fan base, which... There is a quite a huge overlap, I think, Jeff, that affects you as well. I think that overlap. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so much theater in the Disney parks, even. Of course, Disney right. is on Broadway quite literally, but in the parks, I mean, my, I mean I've mean, i said it many times on the show, my favorite part of the Disney parks is the live entertainment, which I miss terribly. And yes, it's slowly coming back, but we need more and it needs to keep coming. And truly, whether it's the Disney animated films, specifically around the Renaissance or Disney entertainment, it's kind of our first introduction to musical theater. Oh, yeah. As a a kid. Yeah. So for those of us that love both, it it draws a pretty straight line back to whether you sing The Little Mermaid or Fantasmic, you know, it's all there for us. It's awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Of course. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening to me share about my love of Dopey. 
It's kind of my calling card. I hope that's my legacy. That one day they're like, that David Alpert, he really loved Dopey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe the show helped a little bit. And I'm sure your your show mentions it quite a bit as well. So I think you're covered. We'll we'll put it on your gravestone if that's something you want. This just got real morbid. This just ended like the old Snow White ride. I know, exactly. (laughs) You're dead. I think that's a nice bow to this episode. I hope you all enjoyed today's conversation. On the last couple of episodes, we talked all about Avengers Campus, including some recent entertainment updates in the land. And next week, be sure to tune in as we discuss more Disney news, including a new Christmas party coming to Disneyland Park for the first time. The easiest way to make sure you don't miss any of the magic is by subscribing to Disney Coast to Coast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Wherever you search, don't forget, it's Disney with a Z, Coast to Coast. You can find any links and info mentioned in this episode, along with ways to connect with today's guest co-host by checking out the show notes link in this episode's description. Before we go, I want to give a shout out to Pob Shrek for leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for helping other Disney fans discover Disney Coast to Coast. This episode has been executive produced by Robert Scontrino. Gain rewards like Robert by visiting patreon.com slash Disney with a Z CTC. And don't forget to leave a voicemail at 818-860-2569 to share your thoughts on today's conversation and the chance to be heard on a future episode. You can find that number in this episode's description, along with a link for some free gifts from me to you. Other than that, folks, have a magical day. Bye! Thanks for listening to Disney Coast to Coast. Have a magical day! Disney Coast to Coast is produced and hosted by Jeff DePauly. Learn more about the podcast and become a supporter at DisneyCoastToCoast.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.